0: Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Revelation chapter 2. We'll begin reading at verse 8. Verse 8 of chapter 2, Revelation. Father, we thank you today for the opportunity to stand in this sacred place and uh, speak the word of the Lord. You've given us, O God, occasion. You've given us this building. You've given us everything that have brought us to this time of encounter with the word of the Lord, which is eternal and which will stand when all else has passed away. Touch this man, O Lord, this instrument, and speak through me, O Lord. Help me, O God, to communicate the message that you have for the Spirit to say to the church today. I pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. We find the Apostle John banished to a barren rock that is called Patmos, 17 miles out into the Aegean Sea from what is now called Turkey. He is there 87 years old now. An old man by any man's standards. He has had many years. He is the only of the disciples that did not die as martyrdom. He was a man and was actually the disciple whom Jesus loved. Isn't it outstanding that he lived such a long life and endured so much persecution and so much banishment. In fact, he got off the Isle of Patmos. And uh, brother, when he was dumped there, I would say his dejectors felt like we've silenced his ministry. And he'll never preach again and he'll never write another epistle and he'll never do anything for the kingdom of God. But what they didn't realize, they dumped him right in the backyard of heaven. Amen. So that he could see all the things that God had planned for his church. These letters are at the very beginning of the book of Revelation. The seven churches of Asia are in what is now, used to be in the province, the Roman province, which was called uh, Asia. Uh, it is now what is called Turkey. And under the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive, I know thy works and thy tribulation, and thy poverty, and in the parenthetical expression there it says, but thou art rich. I know that you're in utter poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation for ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. The second of these seven epistles it's written to a church that we really don't know the origin. In Acts 19, the Bible talks about in Ephesus, when Paul was there, there was a great move of evangelism that spread all over uh, the province of Asia. In fact, numerous people, key people, were one to the Lord, one of whom was Apollos, that was an eloquent man in Scripture, people that, that were used of God to go and spread the gospel message to the various towns And cities, Thessalonica, Colossae, Galatia, all of these were cities that are part of what is now Turkey. And unlike going to the uh, Holy Land, they have to have an archaeological dig to dig down to the time of Christ. In uh, Turkey, it's not that way for those seven churches. You can actually go there and stand where those apostles stood. You can actually go there and experience just brush some sand away and right there is the floor of where they preached and where they debated and where they spread the gospel message to the uh, people of Asia Minor. God is so, so wise in winning people to God from that specific area so that they can communicate through their testimony and their witness the good news of salvation. Now Smyrna was a city of about 4000 people. It's about 35 miles up an inlet and it is a what is called a deep port. In other words, large vessels could make port in Smyrna. It was a city of culture, it was a city of art, it was a city of magnificent buildings and and outstanding uh, architecture and the streets were beautiful the mountains, the pathos at the very back of the city facing the sea was a beautiful, beautiful mountain it was beautiful in every aspect of the term and that when this church was started there Domitian was the Caesar that was in power in Rome and most of you who know anything about Roman history you know that Domitian was a murderous uh, terrible persecutor of the church. He killed Christians in mass. He would bring hundreds of them, thousands to the different places of torture and would throw them to the lions and would slide them down the knife uh, s- splitting them half in two. He would feed them to different uh, jungled animals and see them as their limbs were literally torn apart. What a grotesque seen it was so needless to say there was a lot of persecution in this I'll call it a little big church in Smyrna they were small in number because persecution had thinned their ranks you see anyone who doesn't have a genuine relationship with the Lord they'll leave when persecution starts when it comes to paying a price when it comes to enduring When it comes to great difficulty, most false religion and false relationship with God will run when that happens. And you're left then with a a handful. And here in Smyrna, there was a a handful of people, but they made such a great impact in a city. A city of 400,000, as I said. And there were all kind of pagan gods and deities. There were temples that were erected to all of these deities. And here's this little handful of persecuted people that are preaching the message, staying true to the, and faithful to their cause and faithful to the good Lord and kept on worshiping, kept on preaching, kept on evangelizing, knowing that they could be killed at any time. Knowing that any time Domitian's uh, henchmen could have brought them to a place. Do you know who their pastor was? Their pastor was a man named Polycarp. Have you ever heard of Polycarp? He was of the first century church and pastored this church at Smyrna. In fact, he was possibly one of those angels, possibly one of those messengers that delivered the message to the church at Smyrna. For, you see, the pattern was that the messenger, Jesus Said, this is to the angel of church at Ephesus. This is to the angel of the church at Smyrna. This is to the angel of the church at Pergamos. This is to the angel of the church, on and on and on. And it gives the effect that if you put them geographically on a map, you would see where you would first go to Ephesus and then 40 miles up the road you would go to Smyrna and then you would travel on to Pergamos. In fact, it was almost like you were dropping off one at a time as these seven angels went about the task of carrying the letter from the Lord Jesus Christ to that church. And so it is today that the messenger, the pastor, is the one who is the messenger who carries the message of the Spirit, the message of the Lord Jesus to the church of the Lord Jesus in our age and in our dispensation. And it's so important that we realize that, that God is still speaking, that God is still communicating, that God has not stopped communicating with those that love him and those that serve him and those that honor him. He has not one time ever removed himself From their presence, he is still walking in the midst of the golden candlesticks. He is still holding the seven stars in his hand. Praise God. That's such an affirmation that the Lord Jesus is the Lord of his church. He is the head of the church, and and that church is us. It's believers on the Lord Jesus Christ. We have come to that saving knowledge of Jesus, and we have followed after the message that was delivered to us we've just come to know about persecution in, in the world for the last few decades in fact when the wall was taken down there in Berlin we learned about Eastern Europe and we found out that in countries that are third world countries behind the Iron Curtain we wondered for so many years I wonder what's going on with Christians behind the Iron Curtain because we had no way of knowing their plight or knowing where they, what we found out when the curtain came down was they not only survived and they not only endured, but they actually grew and they actually won adherence to the faith. What we thought was all destroyed and done away with, God had some faithful people Amen. that in the midst of persecution and in the midst of, of suffering, in the midst of poverty, I'm talking about utter poverty, I've been to Albania, and I was there with one of our regional superintendents uh, for the Middle East and for countries that uh, had no message except people who were impoverished. Lambert DeLong and I. Can you believe in the cold of winter there was no heat in the building where we stayed? There was food was not good, it wasn't seasoned, it was just something you ate just to get by. So when the Bible talks about they were in poverty, I want to tell you they were destitute. It wasn't something of, of their being, uh, just didn't have had a life and had had good things, but they just didn't have what what luxury. No, they had nothing. Had nothing. the The, the, the Greek word is used for poverty there is utterly destitute. It means they had nothing. Now, It's hard for people to imagine a a service to God in which poverty and suffering and persecution is the way it is. We can't identify with that. We have no relativity. There's no way we can even imagine what I'm talking about to you today because you've never experienced that. You've never been in that. You have no, no idea what we're talking about. But there were people in the church at Smyrna that were destitute, that only had the clothes on their back and ate from day to day on what they could find. They were utterly destitute. And God said, I know about your poverty. I know about the persecution. I know about Domitian. I know about him coming and, and and loading up Christians and carrying them to a place of, of, of execution and killing in mass Christians. I know that you live with that fear day after day. I know that you live under that oppression of knowing that you could be killed for saying, I am a Christian. In fact, emperor worship was so powerful that you had to go every week or every month, I believe it was, you had to go and you had to, burn incense unto Caesar but if you didn't and you didn't get the certificate they gave you a certificate like a coin that if you came and worshipped at the temple of Caesar wow! if you came and said Caesar is God then they give you a certificate that you had worshipped but if they ever called for your certificate and you couldn't produce one then you were Persecuted and possibly killed. Can you imagine living for God in a culture like that? We ought—I to, told you last Sunday—you ought to thank God every day of your life that you live in America. You ought to thank God every day of your life that you live in a country where you can have religious expression and religious freedom. To believe that there was a church here at Smyrna that had that kind of poverty and that kind of, of persecution, a small church in a city that had such a, a large presence of opposition. Yes, they, the Bible said they were purified and they were blessed through the suffering that comes from persecution. You see, Smyrna was a real place. It wasn't just some metaphorical place. It was a real place. In fact, we know where it was. It is today a city, a large city in Turkey. It still exists. It's still there. In fact, we don't know how, where it came from. We don't know how it was founded. We don't even know who brought the message there and started the church there. All that we know is that there was a church established there and Jesus wrote a letter to them. And he said, I know about your suffering. I know about your poverty. I know about the persecution. I know about all of those things. And he said, You are made perfect through suffering. Now we're just starting on that in 1 Peter. If you want to hear some more about it, come on Wednesday night. About how the people who suffer shame for the name of Jesus. He said they have a special reward in heaven. People that suffer persecution and, and suffer and endure hard trials. It was tough living where they lived. It was tough just staying alive, let alone being a Christian. But to be a Christian in a hostile environment, can you imagine what that, that must have been like? And here's these people that are loving God and serving God in a, in a tough kind of way. And these letters are given to the Anholos, the angel of the church. And the price of being a Christian in the first century could be very high, very high. And for Smyrna, they felt that blunt force of personal poverty and the sting of harsh treatment because they refused to participate in emperor worship. You say, Well, thank God, Brother Jerry, that'll never happen here. One day that's gonna happen here. You say, Pastor, are you crazy? Have you lost your mind? This is America. We got a constitution. There's going to come a time when there's going to be a one world dictator, a one world ruler, and he will command that you worship him. He will go to Jerusalem, and he will set up his, his center in the temple in Jerusalem, and he will demand to be worshipped. And in the middle of the week, the Bible said, he will break his policy with the Jews And that he will demand that people all over the world take a mark. It's called a mark of the beast. And you'll either take that mark in your hand or you'll take that mark in your forehead. And without that mark, you can neither buy nor sell. Now, if you fool around here and miss the rapture of the church, if you go on in your foolishness and your silliness, There will come a time when you're going to face the music. You either take that mark or you don't take that mark. And if you take that mark, you have damned your soul. And I hear people flippantly say, well, I'll just die for Jesus. I I know about a rapture and I know about the blood and I know about the word of God. And when that time comes, they, they want me to take that mark. I'll just say no. Well, that's well and good for you. But what about those children? What about that wife of yours? That you're telling them, well, I've got a death sentence for you. We're going to starve to death. We don't have the mark. You see, you don't hear that kind of preaching nowadays. I know because that upsets people and you don't want to upset people. We want to feel good. I understand. But if I don't preach to you the whole council, if I don't preach to you the whole council. If I don't preach to you the whole council. Then this Bible I preach out I said your blood would drip from my hands. So I owe it to you to tell you the truth. And I owe it to you to tell you what this book says. For Smyrna, for, for the suffering and all that persecution that was going on in their city. They had to be so faithful and so close to the Lord. You see the beauty of suffering and difficulty and hardship is people tend to live close to the Lord during those times. Did you hear hear the song about the mountain and the valley? So I thank God for the mountain and I thank God for the storm he brought me through. Thank God for the storm. Thank God for a mountain I've got to climb. Thank God for a storm I've got to go through. Thank God for a difficulty. Thank God for a hardship. Because in my lonely hours, yes, those precious lonely hours, I found out and discovered what faith in God can do. So in a spiritual sense then, all of the, Persecution, all of the suffering, all of the hardship is a purifier. It purges us and purges the church. It purges the church of hypocrites. Because those who are not righteous flee when no man pursues. It takes righteous, right relationship with God to hang in there when times get tough. To look difficulty in in the face and say, God is greater. To look hardship in the face and say, God is greater. To look hunger and look at poverty in the face and say, but my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. To look at a situation that can be so painful and be so difficult and so harsh for you. And you can look at that and say, though he slay me, yet will I serve him. And who says this to the church? Who says to the church, I know about all of that? And he said, I know about it because I have been through it myself. For you see, the one writing this letter is the one who says, I am the first and I am the last. I am the beginning and I am the ending. He is the same one that the Bible said all things were made by him. And there was not anything made that was made. And the Bible says about him who writes this letter, all things consist by the word of his mouth. Glory to God. That he is the Alpha and he is the Omega. He is all that there it can be said. That nothing ever surprises him. Never takes him by surprise. Nothing ever occurs to him. He is omniscient. He knows all things. He is, hallelujah, he is by our side in the trenches of the warfare. He is standing by our side in the the line to get some food stamps. He's standing right beside us. He's with you when the doctor's standing there telling you what he's found. He's sitting right by your side. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will go with you all the way even to the end of the age. He has said to us, I'm in covenant with you and your mama that gave birth to you may forget you. But I promise you, I will never forget you. A mother may forget her suckling child, but God said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'll be there. I'll be there in the good times. I'll be there in the bad times. I'll be there in the sad times. I'll be there in the happy times. I'll be there in the plenteous times. I'll be there when there's nothing in the cupboard. I will be by your side. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The one who said, I'm the beginning and I am the ending is saying to you, I'm with you. And here's another thing he said and this thing called death he said I am he that was dead I've been there know all about it died one time myself he said but I didn't die without a power and a spirit that had made a promise to me that though thou makest thy bed in hell yet will I find him there Lord of God, though I ascend up to the heavens and make my nest among the stars, I'll find him when I get up there. Though I travel through eternity and go to the eons of eternity past, I'll find him there. Though I get on a ship and I travel into the future in a time machine, wherever I go, as long as I'm in eternity, I'll find him all along the way because everything, he said, I took that step before you did, I've been there before you were. I've been there before Abraham was. I am. And when he died on that cross and his spirit went to the heart of the earth and preached. Hallelujah. And on the third day when the women went to the tomb to anoint the tomb, praise God, there was an angel that met them and said, he is not here. That's the same thing I tell you every time we have a funeral. Right down here, I, I look down at that casket and I said, I want to tell you, he is not here. Finchie is not here. James is not here. Ken Goodwin is not here. Clayton Hanby is not here. Here, What are you saying, Pastor, I'm saying there's a way. And Jesus has said, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life. Jesus said, I once was dead, but behold, I'm alive forevermore. Don't you be afraid, he said, don't be afraid of dying because when I met death and I stared death down, I went over and I said, all right, death, give me a stinger. Give me a stinger. Hey, God, Jesus took the sting of death out of death's hand. He doesn't have a stinger. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? What happens if Domiton comes around and herds you up, feeds you to lions and tigers, and he kills you? I've been there, he said. Don't worry, there's a resurrection. I am he that was dead but I behold behold I'm alive forevermore. Yeah, we must needs die and we are as water that is spilt upon the ground that cannot be gathered up again. Yes, there's a killer. Yes, there's a murderer. Yes, there's a Roman emperor that's persecuting the church, but you've got something he hadn't got. You've got a promise of God that when you die in faith, when you die in right standing with God, that soul and that spirit goes to the direct presence of Almighty God. And on that great getting up morning when death's prison bars are broken, you will arise and come out of that grave. Because God said, I have fixed all of them. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. He said, I've already been there and done that. Already been there and done that. The author of that letter is the Lord Jesus Christ who said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in the earth. The idea is that he tr- transcends everything. He's greater than time. He's greater than death. He's greater than hell. He's greater than sin. He's greater than cancer. He's greater than heart disease. He's greater than anything. Nothing, nothing, nothing subordinates Him. In fact, the Bible said, It hath pleased God that He might have the preeminence in all things. He is above all principalities. He is above all power. There is nothing that is above him. He is above everything else. And it hath pleased God that in him all the fullness of the Godhead should dwell bodily. Brother, when he speaks, it's God speaking. Well, that's great, and I wish I could preach a whole lot more about that. Why does the Lord designate himself That way to the church, that he had the power of it in his life because of their predicament. He wanted them to know, I just want you to know that I was here before it started. I'll be here when it's over. From first to last, beginning to end. I was here before all that mess started. I'll be here when it's all over. I was here before the Father said, let there be, I'll be here at the end. When everything is made right, I, 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 I'm, I'm God. I, I was in the beginning. I'll be God in the ending. I was God in Genesis. I'll be God in Revelation. Cover to cover, lid to lid, I will be there. I will be there. God wants you to know if you're persecuted that you're not experiencing anything He hasn't experienced. The church at Smyrna, that church some historians tell us in smyrna in particular there was mass executions do you know what the word smyrna means it comes from the greek word s u a r m a smyrna smyrna means myrrh do you know what myrrh is when those three kings and matthew came to visit The Lord Jesus, they brought gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Gold for kings. Myrrh. Why myrrh? Myrrh is taken from a thorny bush. And it's ground into powder. And it makes a a white, but a very aromatic... It has a fragrance. In fact, if you were to open a jar right here, it wouldn't be but just a few minutes till every one of you in this room would go, wow, I smell that. And it's so fragrant and it's so sweet. You know what they use it for? Do you remember when the ladies were going to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus? They had myrrh to place upon the body of Jesus. Do you remember when that little woman had that spikenard and that myrrh in her alabaster box that Lisa sang about last Sunday? And Jesus said, don't rebuke her. She's come to anoint my body. Now why in the world would there be this church in Smyrna that is named for this aromatic fragrance And this special anointing fragrance called myrrh. Well, you see, Smyrna, when they built the city, and it's a beautiful city. I told you how gorgeous it is. If we could put pictures of it up on the screen, you would see what a magnificent, beautiful colonnades and pillars of marble and all kinds of of artifacts to deities. It is beyond anything I could describe to you. It is just awe, awe awe-inspiring. When the architect that engineered that city, you know what they forgot to do? They forgot to put a drainage system in that city. You see, there's one thing that all living things do. They eat. And they excrete. Wasn't that nice? Better than calling it a poop plant, isn't it? What kind of a brilliant engineer would engineer a city with no sewer? No drainage. In fact, when it rained, brother, that just about flooded so much of the place because they had no drainage system. You know what happens when you don't have a drainage system? You start stinking. Doctors say you get sepsis. When that city could not dispose, they had everyone get out and push and shovel and And get the stuff to wash down toward the sea. So it's a beautiful city, it just stinks. Great place to live, it just stinks. How can a city that names sweet smelling stink? And how did God have a church in a city that stinks? whose name was Myrrh. I believe God has got a remedy for all the filthiness of the world. I believe that God has got a, got a remedy for everything that is uh, pollutant, everything that is perverted, everything that's nasty, everything that's sinful, everything that's corrupt. I believe God will have a church That will be a church that will be purified, that will preach about being pure, that will give off an aroma and a fragrance and a stinking place of the goodness and the greatness of God. Hallelujah. I tell you, hey, spiritually speaking, America stinks. And America needs a church that will emit some fragrance of sweetness and Love and joy and peace and gentleness and goodness and meekness. Wow, that's good preaching. God needs a church that will overcome the smelly place we're in. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. I said we're in this world, but we're not of this world. The dead bodies in the Bible were all anointed with myrrh, yes, because the decomposition process made it stink, and they would put that myrrh on that. The only thing that can dispel the putridity—good word, putridity—of a corrupting corpse is to take that myrrh and anoint that body. Can you believe that the Bible says in the Old Testament, Zachariah said, the, "the the spirit of the Lord." is as fragrant as the freshly mown grass. The Spirit of the Lord is as fresh and as fragrant as the anointing oil that flowed down from Aaron's beard and puddled up in the floor. Do you know what the anointing of the Lord smelled like? Well, there was 250 shekels of cinnamon. There was 250 shekels of calamus. There was 250 shekels of myrrh. And there was 250 shekels of cassia. Now, brother, a lot of oil, yeah, a gallon and a half. Gallon and a half and four fragrant spices in that anointing. Can you believe that? That when anointed, a priest was anointed in Israel, the Bible said that oil would run down his head into his beard, down on his clothes, and puddle up in the floor. Can you imagine that when he left the temple and started walking down the streets of Jerusalem, And he met some of the common folk walking the streets of Jerusalem. They'd Ah, that's a priest. He's been down to the I smell the anointing on him. That's a priest. Oh, I would to God that harvest could get so full of the Spirit of God. I would that harvest could become so saturated and penetrated with the anointing of the Lord that when we go outside these walls, people would see us and take note that we had been with Jesus, would take note that we'd been in the presence of the anointing, that we'd been in the presence of the oil, the fragrance, the sweet odor and the fragrance, Of the incense of being in God's presence and Jesus said to them I know about all of these works come on Connor Connor's visiting with us today come on up here Connor and help me one more time Vic does a good job we'll let him rest a little bit today he gives them a promise he says, I know about your, your labor. I know all about your poverty. I know about the things that is going on in your heart and in your life. And I know about the congregational life, how tough it is. I know all about that. But he said, I want to make a promise to you. I want to make a promise to you. If you'll just endure, if you'll just remain strong and remain faithful, remain faithful. He said, then I, I've got something for you. I've got number one, I've got a crown. I got a crown. It's a a crown that is designated for people that suffer and for people that are persecuted. You know, the Bible said, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and shall speak all manner of things against you, evil against you, falsely for my name's sake. For great is your reward In heaven. I don't know of anyone that ever done anything of any significance for God that didn't have to endure some of what I just talked about. In fact, Jesus said that way is narrow, that gate is straight. It's not a bed of ease. The songwriter said, Must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease? while others fought to win the prize and sailed through stormy seas. No, there's a cross for everyone. Must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free? No, there's a cross for everyone. There's a cross for me. Here's a great verse. Yea, all of them That shall live righteously in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. What are you saying, Pastor, that persecution comes with God's permission? Yes. Are you saying, Pastor, that sometimes things happen in my life and they happen that I don't understand? they're hurtful, and they're hard, and they're difficult, but they're in my life by God's permission. That verse in 1 Peter says this, After that you have suffered for a little while, the Lord establish you, settle you, and make you perfect. When? After you have suffered for a little while. He said to this church, 10 days. Peter said, a little while. Know you not that in this life you will suffer tribulation? Do you you not know that with great difficulty you'll enter into the kingdom of God? And Here's here's a great one. It's in 1 Peter also. For if the righteous, people in right standing, scarcely be saved. You know what that word scarcely means it comes from a Greek word which means with great difficulty if the righteous with great difficulty are saved this world does not love you did you get that part about the synagogue of Satan in there of Jews who said they were Jews but they're not Jews Jews hated Christians so much in Smyrna that they would go and report them to the Roman government to go and arrest these people. They outed Christians because they hated them so much. And when Polycarp, the pastor of the church, the Christian church in Smyrna, when he was burned at the stake, the night before he was arrested, Michelle, he had a dream. And his pillow in his dream was on fire and he saw himself lying on a pillow that was ablaze. The Lord let him know that's how you're going to die. You're going to be burned at the stake. The next day when they came and arrested Polycarp they brought him before the magistrates and said you must deny Christianity and you must swear allegiance to Caesar and you must Burn incense to Caesar or you're going to be burned at the stake. He said, Lo, these 86 years have I served him and he's never done me wrong. He's never hurt me. But on the contrary, he's been Lord of my life and supplied my needs and I cannot fail him now. When they started tying he said you don't have to put any cords on me you don't have to bind me I'm not going to run off I'll be right here do you know who carried the wood to burn polycarp the Jews who said they were Jews but they're not Jews they hated Jesus so much that a preacher and a pastor who preached Jesus, they wanted him dead, that they brought the wood to burn polycarp. And as flames rose around him, he said what a man said about his country that you can quote so well. Nathan Hale, do you know what he said? No, that's not a, that's a Kennedy. Nathan Hale said, I regret that I have but one life to give for my country. Polycarp said, I regret that I can die only once for him. He died for me. I wish I could die more times for him. And the flames destroyed him and killed him. That was in the first century, 2,000 years ago, and here a preacher is standing 2,000 years later preaching about a man named Polycarp. I dare say God still got some children who will not bow down. I dare say that in our future, if we come to a place where we're challenged to deny our faith, I like to believe there are people sitting right here that would say, I'll take the punishment. I'll not deny my Lord Jesus. I'll not deny him. Did you know that in other places in the world this morning, there are people that are faced with just such a proposition as that? Either deny him or die. The story is told about a Russian officer back during all the Cold War and all. There were some Christians that met in secret. They couldn't sing out loud, Rodney, so they whispered their songs two Russian soldiers burst into the meeting with AK-47s aimed at every one of them and said, if you're not willing to die for God, then you need to get out of here right now. Now's your chance. You can run. And a couple of them ran out. When they'd left, the soldiers shut the door, put the guns down and said, now we can worship together. Said, we just had to make sure that there wasn't anybody here that was not willing to give their life for the Lord Jesus. Oh, blessed be God. I feel His presence this morning. Don't you stand with me, please, all over this house. And to the angel of the church at Smyrna, thus says the first and the last, the beginning and the end, I know about your poverty. I know about your persecution, but I've been there. And I'm not going to leave you If you'll just remain faithful to me, if you'll just remain faithful, I've got a crown, and I've got eternal life. I've got a place that's so much better than this. Oh, blessed be God. How could we not fall in love with that world that the Lord has prepared for all of us? All of us. Take the hand of that person beside you. I want to pray with you before we go. God, I come to you now and I publicly profess that you are the Savior and you're the Lord of my life. I publicly confess that I am a disciple of the Lord Jesus, saved by grace, washed in the blood of the Lord Jesus. I believe in the Bible. I believe in the Word of God. I believe in the Spirit of God. I believe that Jesus is the Lord of my life. And right now in Jesus' name, God, I say to you that whatever comes my way, whatever comes my way, I'll stand for you. Whatever persecution, whatever threat, whatever poverty, whatever disease, whatever confrontation, whatever evil, Lord, I'll live for you and I'll serve you. And I'm this in this, Lord, to make it to the end. I will endure to the end. I intend to go all the way, God. I'll not turn back. I'll not be denied. I will go all the way. I will go all the way. Know my heart this morning, God. Know my heart. I love you. I love you. And I'll worship you. And I'll serve you, Lord. No matter what it costs me, what the price... I'll serve you, in Jesus' name, amen. Could you now give a praise to the Lord? So when someone asks you, do you know about the Ephesian church? Say, yep, they lost their first love. Do you know about the church at Smyrna? Yeah, they were persecuted and impoverished. But they made it all the way through. Made it through. I want you to make it through. Amen. I want you to make it through. May the God of peace rest upon you. May the Lord Jesus Christ bless you and touch everybody in your life and save all your lost loved ones. Go in peace in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you and God go with you is my prayer.